Comets in Motion is proud to be sponsored by Renovations Press, home of the world-renowned tracksuit man, the story about traveling to which we can all relate and something we've all missed this last year. Renovations Press continues to make the decades-long quest to bring quality, independent comics to the masses with three comics each year featuring the supergroup slash government experiment gone wrong, section 12. Click the link in the show notes for more information about how you can buy some high-quality, independent comics. And stay tuned because each time a new issue comes out in 2021, Comics in Motion listeners will be eligible to win free copies of Section 12. Click that link, check out Renovations Press, support them on Patreon. You'll be happy you did. What started as just an appearance on Indie Comics Spotlight has turned into an excellent partnership between Comics in Motion and Renovations Press. We look forward to bringing you some amazing content. Welcome to Comics in Motion, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier special. Today you have myself, Dave Horrocks, as your host, and I'm flying solo as my regular co-host, Chris, has unfortunately overdosed on Super Soldier Serum, otherwise known as Prosecco. And as David Brent might say, Elvino did flow. Now, some of our other shows on the network do also run solo. We have Mike Burton's excellent Star Wars comics in canon. We have Matthew B. Lloyd's superb classic comics, but this is the first time I'm going to give it a go, so uh, be gentle. (laughs) Now, episode three is entitled Power Broker, and as with the previous episodes, it's directed by Kari Skogland, and this one is written by Derek Kolstad. Now, he's famous for creating the John Wick franchise and wrote all three of those movies. So, uh, interesting to see him in in the MCU here. Now, we start off with the episode. We get this cheesy infomercial type of thing with the Global Repatriation Council, the GRC. Now, this seems to be an organization, and we've heard this from the previous episodes as well. They're looking to put everything back to how it was before the whole blip, before the whole Thanos smash. Now, the flag smashes, they don't like them because they it looks like they're putting people into camps and things, and... We get New Cap and he arrives in a van, in a police van, which actually has the GRC logo stamped on the side. So he's either working for them or with them. It's not really clear here. And you see that they storm the cafe where the flag smashers were put up last week. And, you know, the Cap goes into interrogation mode and, you know, he's quite arrogant and ruthless very different from our steve rogers and you know he gets up in this guy's face and this cafe owner he gets a a big golly in his face just for good measure but then you know he gives the the old do you know who i am and uh you know i find this bit really interesting because it's showing really how different the John Walker Captain America is uh, to the Steve Rogers Captain America that we've been used to, certainly on our screens. Now, in the MCU, and as well in the comics, of course, Steve spent a lot of time trying to live up to the ideal that America was founded on. And he always, you know, he was always trying to live up to that. 
Whereas John Walker seems to feel like being Captain America, it now gives him a power. It gives him an authority to do whatever it ne- to do whatever needs to be done, really, in order to get the results. Now, I, I have been going back to Mark Grunwald's Captain America run in the eighties, um, and where he first introduced John Walker as Super Patriot. That was in issue three twenty three, uh, which came out in nineteen eighty six, and he is a bit of a tool. He's trying to make a name for himself. He's kind of staging things. He's got his own manager or agent and and trying to attend these rallies and say that Captain America is all outdated and uh, it's super patriot. He's a man for the times. uh, You know, he he gets these wrestlers to kind of tackle him and, uh, you know, dressed up in cap type uh, masks. And it's all just a bit ridiculous, but it does get really interesting. Sort of a few issues after that. So 332, uh, and Cap, Steve Rogers, Captain America, actually quits. So the government are trying to get him to toe the line, trying to make him sign up as a soldier again. So, you know, they can point him wherever they want and, and fire him off. And he decides that, no, it's, you know, governments can be corrupted, very much like what we saw in kind of Winter Soldier. Um, you know, and these guys are just the administration of the time. They're, they're not the people. Like, that's the real America. The, the And again, the ideals that America was all founded on. Now, back to the episode. Obviously, we found out right at the end of the last episode, episode two, that Bucky wanted to go and call on the help of Baron Zemo. And we get a scene that's very reminiscent of Silence of the Lambs. So we get to see Bucky, he confronts him, and Zemo sees him and starts to utter the words that we saw, you know, from Bucky's Hydra conditioning, you know, longing, rusted, 17. And, you know, that, that was used to pretty good effect in Captain America Civil War, of course. Um, but they have no effect now. And I, I don't think Zemo really thought they would. He just thought he'd give it a go and see what happens. Um, now, I think they come up with a plan for it to get him out of prison. Which um, does seem like a little bit easy, but... I think here, you know, it is a deal with the devil almost, isn't it? Because Bucky's perspective is is the old adage, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. He knows that Zemo will be on side because he doesn't want the super soldier serum to be out there and to be produced, you know, producing super or augmented people. Um, Now, when he gets back, Sam, obviously, he isn't convinced and reminds Bucky that, you know, he'd used him previously and blew up King T'Challa of Wakanda and the Wakandans really haven't forgotten that. And obviously that's going to pay off a little bit later in the episode as well. Now one of the things that was really interesting about this episode, in, in WandaVision we had uh, all the conspiracy theories, like literally all of them. <laughs> um, and some of them were, obviously we had Evan Peters, Casters, Quicksilver and everyone was saying, oh this is going to be the X-Men crossover and what have you. And, and it all came to nothing really. But here we've actually got quite a few nods to uh, to the X-Men. So Madripoor itself uh, was actually created by Chris Claremont, who, if you know anything about the X-Men, you'll know he basically properly put them on the map. The X-Men had been created years before by Stanley um, and Jack Kirby, but he, Chris Claremont 
projected them from about seven, the mid seventies through to through the eighties and and uh, slightly into the nineties as well. And and the X Men we know today, really uh, all the social interactions. That's that's Chris Claremont, and so Mad Rapport is straight out of those pages. It was created in New Mutants, um, but like Wolverine uh, liked to go there, and and you know it featured heavily in one of his minis. Now, Sam does come around uh, to the idea of using Zemo, but only on the condition that, you know, he he basically has to do what they say. But, you know, they find out that Zemo's actually, uh, he's a baron, which comes back to, you know, that's his full title in the comics. And he has all of these resources, including his own private jet, which comes in rather hand- handy in terms of getting to Madripoor. Now, when they're on the private jet, they're kind of discussing, um, you know, superheroes and putting them on pedestals and things. And, and again, I think it's really clever dialogue. It, it lets you know what Zemo thinks, you know, and um, I, I, I just find it fascinating. But what, what is also great, great little Easter egg. We saw in the earlier episode, Bucky had his had his book there, um, very much like how uh, Steve Rogers had his book of things to tick off, you know, all of the things that he's missed out on while he's been in the ice. And it turns out that this is actually Steve Rogers's book that Bucky's using to uh, list out all the people that he's wronged and, and try and go and rectify all of that. Now, the other part of the plan is to, to infiltrate Mad Rapport and, and they're, they're essentially going to have to go undercover so Bucky's okay he can just act like the Winter Soldier so he has to act all stoic and moody and just stare at people a lot Um, and and a bit later you know at the bar he has to you know rough up some guys you know some other muscle and uh, he falls very easily back into that Winter Soldier persona and yeah you can see in Sam's face he's kind of like is this is this still the Bucky that I know now? Or You can see that Sam still doesn't really trust him. He doesn't have the faith that Steve Rogers has in, in James Buchanan Barnes that he's actually out the other side and he can completely wash himself of all of that programming that Hydra put into him. And uh, so, so yeah, Bucky's okay in his undercover uh, persona. Sam gets the uh, Smiling Tiger. Again, this is a character from the comics. Um, but he's, he does call out the fact that he looks a bit like a pimp. And, you know, he ends up uh, having this quite nasty-looking drink with the, uh, with the snake. I think that's just for a bit of comedy, you know, showing that he, he's, he'll basically do what he needs to. Now they end up, they meet up with this person, Selby. Ultimately, they're trying to get to this power broker. Again, another person from the comics. Actually, it's a couple of different people from the comics. Um, It's going to be interesting. Who do they choose to use in the MCU universe? I'm I'm not convinced they'll just bring in someone completely new. Um, They may draw on people that we already know, or it could just be this mythical kingpin that actually isn't any one person it, it's kind of like a, a somewhat it's a conglomerate of people maybe but they find Selby and you know she's asking him some questions the guys are still staying in their character but it all goes a bit wrong when Sam's sister calls him up and and calls him Sam but 
we do get a, a kind of rescue scene. Now, the way it unfolded, I think we're supposed to think this is Sharon Carter because Selby orders, you know, uh, Zemo, Sam and Bucky to be killed. But you no know, sooner has she done that than she gets killed herself. So uh, the guys, you know, escape. And then they end up running into Sharon Carter. So I think we're supposed to believe that Sharon was the sniper there. I don't believe she was. I, I think that's going to play up a, a little bit later. And what is interesting is we can see that Sharon, despite the fact the likes of Bucky, who's killed countless numbers of people, um, and you know all the people who went on the run, all the heroes that went on the run uh, when they disobeyed the Sokovia Accord, they uh, they all got their pardons from the government, but Sharon Carter didn't. So she's had to go and make a life for herself in Madripoor. And whereas in the movies, you know, in uh, Captain America: Civil War, she was kind of upbeat. She was about playing by the rules, and you know, she seemed to be quite optimistic. Here, she seems a, a little bit more cynical and a bit more ground down by everything. Um. So again, it's going to be interesting to see where they uh, where they go from there. Now, before Selby had actually been killed, she actually did reveal that the power broker hired uh, the former Hydra scientist, Dr. Wilfred Nagel, uh, to recreate that super soldier serum. And Sharon Carter agrees that she'll help the guys if they will try uh, and get her back into the US and, and clear her name, so... She ends up, you end up with this kind of uneasy alliance. Um, and then the three of them go off to try and find this doctor. And then they end up finding him in this kind of storage yard type of thing. Um, very hidden away, this lab. But this guy is really interesting. He, dro he drops in the name of Erskine. You know, he's, he's pretty proud of himself and what he's done from the formula. He's saying that he doesn't need big machines like the one we saw in Captain America. He, uh, you won't have jacked up people. So, you know, people could have super strength, but it doesn't mean they'll have the, the big popping out muscles, you know, that, that we saw Steve Rogers had or, you know, other people. So... Again, this this could tie back as well. Let's not forget about people like um, uh, we had the in Incredible Hulk come out right after Iron Man in two thousand and eight, didn't we? And we we kind of forget about that with the MCU, but certainly in the Ultimate comics, it, the Doctor Banner, so Bruce Banner and the Hulk, you know, he was created trying to recreate the Super Soldier Serum. So obviously in the original Hulk back in the 60s, that, that wasn't his origin, but they, they kind of redid it for the Ultimate Comics. And I think, you know, they're taking a bit of that with the MCU as well. Now, of course, the fact that you've got this really, really clever chap and he can recreate this super soldier serum, well... Baron Zemo does only what he really thinks he can do, and, and he shoots the guy because, of course, they, there's a finite a number of vials out there with Super Soldier Serum in it. But if you've got this guy who knows all the secrets and can create it, then, you know, you really have to get rid of him. So now after that, obviously after he kills him and, and you get... Sharon Carter, some really great action scenes here. Um, you know, she she properly takes some names. You know, 
bit of Black Widow style. But you end up with the lab exploding um, and those guys are, are pinned down. Now, you end up with Sharon Carter. She actually gets away. seems to be some driver is waiting for her. And I, I just wonder, was the whole thing set up? It's not clear to me why uh, she'd have a driver just waiting nearby. Now, meanwhile, you have the Flag Smashers, and they raid a, a GRC storage fac- uh, facility. And you can see that Carly Morgenthau is really pretty ruthless, and, and she seems to shock her... Um, partner in crime there who's all for robbing the supplies but not necessarily blowing up the place and killing a bunch of people in there so you can see that although you could kind of empathize with the whole idea of you know not having borders uh, or anything like that then uh, you know the methods are still very very questionable now one thing that i find fascinating again remember in the in the mcu so baron zemo he set off, you know, with basically disassembling the Avengers after the whole Sokovia incident. You know, he's really pretty pissed off about that whole thing. And then he kind of guilt trips the guys. You know, he says, you know, have you been to the memorial at all? And neither of them have. And he basically says the the neighbors, you know, were, were strip mining the place, basically. Now, this is really interesting because it, it kind of applies that implies that Sokovia probably doesn't exist now as a, as a nation, as a, as a country. But there is another uh, Eastern European country that's, that's just made up, it's fictional for the Marvel Universe. And that's in the comics, and that is Latveria. That's where Doctor Doom is from. And so, again, I'm not going to go uh, WandaVision or, uh, levels in terms of speculation, but you know, that would just be a perfect way to, not necessarily even in this series, but maybe just pick up that thread a little bit later. Um, you would have to think with all of those Ultron deathbots uh, running around Sokovia back in Age of Ultron, there is a huge amount of vibranium there, you know, which just plummeted to the ground. So you would think that there's a lot of vibranium, probably the most vibranium that's outside of Wakanda in this Marvel Universe. So if you had neighboring countries that that are coming and mining for that, someone like a Doctor Doom would be very interested in that and could make his little Doom bots or his own armor potentially. So again, could be nothing, but uh, it could be something interesting there to look out for in the future. Now we do see Bucky says he's going for a walk in the most uh, unsubtle way possible, possible, um, and then he follows these beads, which we see, or you know, we've seen from Black Panther, all of the Wakandan citizens have these little beads, and uh, you know, he's following them, and then. He runs into Ao, who we've seen from Captain America: Civil War. We've seen from Black Panther, and she's basically uh, she's second in command of the Dora Milaje, uh, and she tells Bucky, "We're here for Zemo." So obviously, in the next episode, we're going to have a little bit of conflict there, as Sam had pointed out earlier in the episode. The Wakandans haven't forgot what Zemo's done, so they're going to want justice uh, for King King T'Chaka. So overall, I thought this was a fantastic episode. I just think the 
series is delivering on what it promised to be. We've got this kind of buddy cop feel. Uh, we've got this mystery and intrigue as to what's actually going on. Who is this power broker? Uh, what exactly is Sharon Carter's role in all of this? Where is Zemo going to be at the end of this series? So I'm absolutely loving it. And unfortunately, you know, there's there's not too many episodes left now. So we're halfway through. We've got three more episodes to go. Um, and it's, I just can't wait to see where this uh, this actually finishes up and, and leaves the whole MCU. So a little bit like um, WandaVision. I, I do think this will have ripples that, that you'll see in the movies as well. So thanks for listening, guys. I obviously appreciate you sticking with me for this solo episode. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can get us on Twitter or Instagram at Comics in Motion P. You can email us at Comics in Motion Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, like and subscribe the podcast if, if you haven't already. I appreciate if you could do that. There's different shows every day here. You've got on Mondays, you've got either classic comics, you've got superheroes for dummies. On Tuesdays, you've got What's the Topic, which tackles all of the news and reviews, things that are going on in the uh, TV and movie space quite often. On Wednesdays, you've got uh, either Max Burns, Mandatory Marvel and DC, or you've got Binging Buffy um, with Tony Farina and Jack. You've got on Thursdays, you've got Indie Comics Spotlight with Tony Farina as well. On Fridays, you've got uh, TV and movie reviews with uh, myself and Chris. On Saturdays, you've got Star Wars Comics in Canon with Mike Burton. And then on Sundays, sometimes we have a comics on trial and other time when we have these series going on, like The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or WandaVision, or we'll do other things. I'm sure we'll do The Bad Batch, which is uh, Star Wars coming up as well. Um, we'll put those out on a Sunday. So... Thanks for listening again. I appreciate there's lots of different places and lots of different podcasts that are covering this series. So I appreciate you sticking with us. Take care now.